This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Schneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Well, uh, as you heard in Bob's news, MPP Lori Scott's office in Lindsay was vandalized and defaced with the words attack workers. We fight back $15. Uh, I'm sure that is not the preferred method of protest, but uh, it kind of underlines how emotional that issue is. It came, of course, after the government repealed a package of liberal labor laws, including increasing the minimum wage from $14 to $15 this coming January. And I want to know how that is going to affect people and what the fallout from that will be. So right now we are going to Chris Buckley, President of the Ontario Federation of Labour, and Shannon Whitmack, who is the President of the Ontario North East Occasional Teacher Local of the Elementary Teachers Federation of Ontario. Thank you both for joining us. Thanks for the opportunity. Okay, so thank you very uh, much as well. You're very welcome. Um, I guess when it comes to the rollback of the fifteen dollars, you know, we, we all knew this was coming. They campaigned on this, and the argument is that we've had a big bump in the wage hike in a very short period of time, and businesses can't sustain that. Uh, uh, Chris, what do you say to that? Well, you know what? Uh, I will agree that the government of the day uh, did campaign that they would not increase the minimum wage to $15 an hour this coming January. Uh, We've tried to convince the government that it's the wrong thing to do. So yesterday, uh, when they made their announcements, uh, in my opinion, they made it official uh, to workers across the province of Ontario. I do not agree with it. Uh, The increased minimum wage helps lift 1.7 million Ontario workers out of poverty. The increase in minimum wage uh, is a good thing for society's most vulnerable workers. And I can remember when the previous government first announced that, you know, the Ontario Chamber of Commerce that same day said it was going to be catastrophic to the province of Ontario. Uh, It has not been catastrophic to the province of Ontario. In fact, our unemployment uh, rate is at an 18-year low. And people need to understand, you know, uh, increase in the minimum wage generates $5 billion a year in the Ontario economy. It's not rocket science. If you pay people a decent wage, number one, they're healthier, and number two, at the end of the week, if there's any money left over once the bills are paid and food's put on the table, they're going to take that extra money they have in their pockets and spend it out in the communities in which they live. That only helps our communities get stronger, and in return, we have a stronger economy right across the province of well, Ontario. Frankly, uh, even at 15 bucks, I, I highly doubt. I highly doubt that there's going to be much left. Uh, Shannon, I think people don't realize that a lot of teachers actually are occasional workers. So how will this affect them? There's multiple levels that this is going to affect our occasional teachers. So as an OT president, I represent what we call long-term occasional teachers, who are people who would go in and do positions that would cover a regular contract teacher for more than 10 days. So we're talking extended um, medical leave, maternity leaves as such, 
And I also look after our daily OTs who go in every now and then for teachers when they need to attend professional development, when they need to attend doctor's appointments and such. And right now, we were very excited to see Bill 148 come in because we had an opportunity to possibly talk about bringing the pay differences for our daily occasional teachers closer to that of our contract teacher members doing the same job with some exceptions, and it was up for conversation. Some other issues that we're going to see very soon are the maternity and the paternity leaves, among the other leaves. As daily OTs, we're subject to the same as a regular worker in the province. We don't have um, superior language in our collective agreements. So seeing those extensions in the leaves were fantastic as well. As well, what we see in the news today is reference to sick leave days. Yeah. But what it actually is referring to is what we were calling personal emergency leave days. Well, that was in, let's go over that. So um, in the proposed legislation, there were two paid sick days a year. That's gone. And now uh, there are eight personal days for various reasons that you can take off uh, without pay. And uh, I'm just looking for the list. I think it's two or three for sick, two for bereavement, and and a couple for personal days. Yeah, so there's, there's, there's three a lot illness, of interesting language and two for mixing those up. Sorry? Yeah, so what I have seen is three family responsibilities, three personal illness, and two bereavement. Yeah. And all eight being unpaid. Right. Correct. So prior to Ford's change, what we had from Wynne's government was two paid leave and eight days unpaid. Right. But not designated under specific categories. So it left room for maneuverability. Now going into this new government, that's not going to happen. And it's going to be a lot harder for people to use those days and to have the school boards go, okay, yeah, that counts as family responsibility. It's going to be a lot more interpretation, which is always problematic. Um, Yeah, I guess. One of the arguments from small business, if they have a small staff, is, uh, you know, it's a lot easier to cover if you're a large school board and you have a huge roster of people. But uh, if people are out sick or out with any of those things, so, um, well, in most places they do pay them and then you have to pay somebody else to come in. And um, it's it's just, I, I guess that small businesses have been saying that, you know, the cumulative... Uh, the cumulative result of these changes is just a bit much, Chris. Yeah, you know what? Listen, like I like I said earlier, from from the get go, I know the business community was lobbying the previous government not to initiate these changes in Bill One Forty Eight. Uh, I understand that, but what, one thing I totally disagree with is I did say the government campaigned on the fact they weren't going to bump up the fifteen dollars an hour. There was never any mention that they were going to gut Bill 148. As a labor movement, we pressed hard for the last several years to once and for all address the severely outdated Employment Standards Act and the labor law in the province of Ontario. The first time in 25 years there was a review done. There was a consultation process where the government hired two special advisors for two years travel across the province talk to the business community, talk to workers, talk to community groups, give their recommendations to the government. As a labor movement, we give our recommendations to the government. 
We didn't get everything we wanted, but there was victories for workers in the province of Ontario. Today's government has opened up Bill 148, in my opinion, has disadvantaged workers without any consultation. Now, today's government can say there was a review process. There was no review process other than catering to the business community and turning their backs on workers in the province of Ontario. Let's uh, take a call from Ron in Guelph. Hi, Ron. Hello, thanks for taking my call. You're very welcome. Um, I think that the gentleman just speaking there, Chris from the Department of Labor, and Andrea Horwath, uh, they both have short memories. If either one of them go to Tim Hortons, buy fast food or anything else, they must remember that the prices all went up, some of them as much as 20%. It doesn't matter in, if you go into Loblaws or your grocery store. I didn't see one place where the prices didn't go up after uh, the wages went up and the new labor laws went in. So what do we do? Do we, do we suppress workers for their entire life? and freeze the minimum wage for God knows how long and not give workers the opportunity. What really offends me is the first companies that came out against this when the previous government announced it was the Magna Corporation. The Magna Corporation, who's made billions of dollars of profits on the backs of Workers Ontario, Loblaws, Metro, and then Tim Hortons, started disadvantaging their workers because of the changes in employment standards and labor law. Tim, Tim Hortons, Hortons was well. uh, was egregious. I certainly agree with that. Uh, Ron, um, uh, but Ron is a consumer and he's got limited bucks, right, Ron? Well, I mean, it's, I mean, I look at this thing, I mean, in Guelph alone, there were three restaurants that closed with employees out of work because people were complaining, well, why am I spending this much money? Why have all the prices gone up? I know if you go into Canadian Tire, if you go into Walmart, you go into a lot of these places, you look around and says, where's all the help gone? Well, a lot of them, my son included, ended up losing some of his hours at McDonald's. Um, if they couldn't uh, do anything about the wages, uh, what they did is they cut back the hours of a lot of the employees. So, um, Absolutely. You know, I, mean, I agree that the wages needed to go up. There's no argument there, but they went up at such a drastic rate, and they've made such drastic changes in the labor laws that a lot of the companies can't keep up with it. Okay, well, Ron, thanks for I your disagree. perspective. Um, I'll let you respond to him, uh, Chris. Yeah, he's saying, I'm glad, I'm glad I he heard from people who lost their jobs, by the way. I'm glad he mentioned hours. a young person, because look at the employment landscape. We've lost in excess of 700,000 good-paying permanent jobs in the province of Ontario over the last 10 to 20 years. Those jobs aren't coming back. What we've ended up with in the province of Ontario is predominantly a retail service sector economy that pays their workers minimum wage with very little rights within the workplace. I said earlier, the Employment Standards Act and Labor Relations Act had not been reviewed in 25 years. It needed to be adjusted to adapt to today's economy and today's workforces and give workers more rights. But in regards to young people, what are we going to do for our young people? For the most part, they have listened to their parents. They've gone to school. They've got an education. But far too many of them are graduating to the unemployment line with huge student debt or the only type of employment they can find are part-time jobs within their communities. There are so many young people that want to leave their parents' houses, but they can't afford to because all they can find is a minimum wage paying job. This is about building the province that we want for every worker, 
whether they belong to a union or not. It's about giving our young people some hope, some optimism, some light at the tunnel that they're going to be able to have a good future, a good life, because there has been very little opportunity for our young people. So I understand the minimum wage rub people the wrong way. I give you the statistics on how much money it generates every year, how many people that it advantages, the most vulnerable workers in the province, the Improved Employment Standards and Labor Relations Act. The government did not have to touch that. Big business was crying about the minimum wage. Okay, that's an interesting perspective. Uh, Thank you so much to Chris Buckley and Shannon Whitmack. Bye-bye. Thank you for the opportunity. Okay, bye-bye. We have to take a quick break. When we come back, we are going to be talking to Jim Wilson, the minister responsible for this. Uh, So let's take that break and we'll be right back. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. We have been talking about the repeal of Bill 148. That would be the Liberal Labour Bill. Now we're going to bring in Jim Wilson, the Economic Development Minister. Welcome. Thanks for joining us. Oh, my pleasure, Libby. Okay, so we were just talking to the union people, and an interesting point from Chris Buckley was, is like, okay, he knows that the business community was very upset about the final tranche of of the wage hike to $15, but he wants to know why were the rest of the measures in the bill uh, gutted? Well, uh, we, we, we are repealing the parts of uh, the job-killing parts of Bill 148. It wasn't just... Uh uh, the wage, we're actually leaving the wage at $14, and eventually we'll get to $15 because we're tying future minimum wage increases to uh, the rate of inflation, the CPI, which uh, Premier Wynne had agreed to months before she slammed in uh, Bill 148. But it's the scheduling provisions. I mean, the worst of 148 is yet, is yet to come. It would come on January 1st. It's scheduling provisions, equal work for equal pay, which doesn't, which means that, you know, if I hire somebody part-time, I have to pay them the same as somebody that's worked for me for for 26 years. I mean, that's just crazy. We saw we saw in August um, over 80,000 jobs lost. Or, uh, that's more than I've seen in my 20, 28 years here at Queen's Park, and most of those jobs were part-time, and that's exactly the result. It's, it correlates perfectly with Bill 1, 148 and the job-killing aspect but in there. But uh, there are labor shortages in a lot of good-paying that's jobs. That's exactly the point. That's exactly what's wrong with our economy. We've been focusing on a minimum wage economy, uh, we've not allowed our apprentice uh, and tradespeople to, to grow like they are, so we have a shortage of, of skilled tradespeople, so that's why we're closing down the College of Trade, changing the journey person to uh, um, apprentice ratios uh, to one-to-one. Right now, in some trades, you have to have three journey person or three people with their full ticket or up to five people before you can hire one apprentice. That's crazy. None of our competitors have anything like that, and that's all Bill 148. So we're just repealing the job-killing parts. We're keeping... Uh, a number of the unpaid days, sick days, bereavement, family responsibility days, and the minimum wage will get there, but we need to do it in a sensible way. Our businesses have just had to absorb a 21% increase over the last 10 months in the minimum wage. That's enough for now. We need to get better jobs. We need to aim higher than the minimum wage. It's crazy that a government would bring in legislation to, to enforce and build a minimum wage economy. We want to get our manufacturing back. You know, we lost 320,000 manufacturing jobs from 2003 to 2009. The Liberals did nothing about it. They gave up, gave up our whole industrial sector. They never had a plan. 
We've seen a steady decline uh, since 2009 in the manufacturing sector in terms of jobs. So this is a bold piece of legislation making Ontario open for business, cutting the red tape, and that includes Bill 148, the job-killing parts of that, and it includes the College of Trades, includes our ratios, and it's just a first step. We have, uh, we have much further to go to get our economy back so we can get good manufacturing, good paying jobs back, because I, people I, are still I, making I, things. They're I, making them in Quebec, though, or they're making them in Ohio, they're making them in Michigan. We've fallen badly behind other jurisdictions in North America. We used to be able to compare ourselves to New York and California. A recent uh, survey of uh, GP, GP, uh, GPD, GDP, GDP, sorry, to uh, I've been doing so much of this. Uh, to to uh, per capita uh, in in Ontario has us ranked 46 out of 64 jurisdictions in North America, and uh, we used to be up there with New York's number three. Uh, California's number nine. So the health of our economy and our future doesn't look very good. Uh, I want to just uh, ask a question about the leave. So um, About the what, Lily? Leave, leave, okay. So there were uh, a total of 10 days of leave, like two two paid sick days a year. It seems to me like that's, you know, that's kind of basic. Why would you take that away? It doesn't exist anywhere else. And uh, it it was a really competitive disadvantage to, uh, to our job creators. We heard it everywhere we went, you know, in the, in the campaign and since the campaign and ever since Bill 148, we've been perfect, perfectly consistent that we cannot ask our job uh, producers, uh, job creators, uh, to accept this red tape and burdens and expect them to keep hiring people. They're not hiring people and they're not creating the good jobs. They're leaving this province and we're going to stand up for them. We're going to stand up for workers. We're not going to, you know, Do you move have towards the minimum wage people? economy. We're going to move away from that. Do you have numbers on people who are leaving the province? Yes, we do have numbers, and uh, it's uh, tens of thousands. And uh, uh, in terms of, of jobs we've lost, look at look at August. Look at when the bill first came in in January. Fifty-two thousand jobs lost. Uh, that was the hit of the of the fourteen dollar minimum wage. We've said fine, we'll keep that, but uh, businesses need time. We're going to give them a full thirty-three months uh, to. Uh, to absorb that. Most, most we'll economists say that that number, it was too soon to see the impact, that that number was whatever it was. No, it was absolutely that. You know, that's the message of the left. The left is wrong. The left has let down the workers in this province. They've, they've bought into this minimum wage economy. They've bought into this high red tape, high burdensome, you know, college of trade run by the unions. It's time, it's time the job creators spoke up, and it's time the government supported our job creators. And that's exactly what we're doing. In. And we're going to do it in a very forceful way because people deserve better jobs than what our previous government was aiming for. That's what we campaigned on. We got a huge mandate to do that, and that's what we're doing. Uh, I want to get into the change with the trades because it's, it's really difficult. I think you're right and restrictive to get into some of these trades. You need one journeyman uh, to hire one apprentice, and then it, I think it's different with every trade. Yes. Uh, and then you might need another three to hire another apprentice, but there's a labor shortage, so you might not find another three. How is this going to open up that whole area for people? Well, starting at, at, at a one-to-one ratio, which is most of our competitors uh, start at, and then there'll be an ability for businesses or sectors to apply to the minister to actually hire more apprentices uh, if they would like. So maybe one journey person to um, three apprentices, which is at one time what it was in this province, um, for some trades. So that got totally turned around. The College of Trades, the government fooled people into thinking that 
it would correct these things. So those are the things that were wrong in 2009 when the college was started. I guess it really didn't start operational until 2013. But the fact of the matter is, um, sorry, it was 2009. Though that was a problem then, the college exasperated that problem. They've actually made it harder to become an apprentice. It takes about twice as long in Ontario to become an apprentice than it does in Europe. And the trap doors along the way and the costs along the way have, have discouraged uh, a, a lot of our young people from trying the trades. We want to make the trades sexy again. They're so important to the economic well-being of Canada, and we want to get back into the high schools and make sure people know that trades are, are good. They're, they're good jobs. You make a good living on. in a trade. I'm sorry? You said you can make a very good living in a trade. Absolutely. You're absolutely right about that. So uh, do you have any numbers on that as well? Um, we do, but I don't have them off the top of my head. We know how many people uh, was in the legislature today, if anybody's watching question period. Um, Alberta does about three times better than we do in getting uh, in attracting and and creating an apprentice in the province on a per yeah on a population basis. And I can't remember the exact numbers, but one of our members used that statistic today in the house. And is there going to be a different body to regulate the trades or is uh, is this kind of a general will this lead to a lack of regulation? No, not not you know safety, health and safety and the safety of our workers is absolutely paramount. It would be with any government. Um, no Libby, what the people don't seem to realize is the college trades is uniquely Ontario. Um, it, no one else gave away all of their authority that's, that's vested in the Ministry of Training College and University that was given to an independent outside body run by the unions. Nobody else ever did that. A left-leaning liberal government did that, McGinty and Wynn, and uh, they didn't go out to the people and consult. Or they would have got an earful, or earful from our job creators, that's for sure. And they sold it as something that would correct the problems rather than exasperate the problems and end up exasperating the problems. They, the College of Trades um, purposely uh, kept the number of apprentices down. So you know how hard it is to get a, a, a plumber to your house or an electrician? Yes, I do. Yeah, <laughs> and, and it's all over the problems. And imagine an industry that needs 10 plumbers and 10, 10 electricians on the line. Um, the problems were exasperated. They pur- purposely kept the supply down so that the cost per hour you know, would be so much higher and we saw the cost for getting any tradesperson to come to your house or your business go through the roof. And that was all sort of designed by them to do that. And we want to open that up, have a fair free market, and uh, and give young people an opportunity for these great paying jobs. Okay, so uh, what would you like to leave us with on this? Well, I think one thing that, you know, you've, you had Mr. Buckley and, and others on the show, and I wasn't able to listen to it because I was out doing some more of these, but... Um, when I met with uh, Chris Buckley, for example, uh, it, it, he, we agreed on one thing, and that was, he said, if you want to go beyond a minimum wage economy, I'm with you, man. Uh, because he talked about his experience. Uh, he, was, uh, he was in the auto sector and had a very good-paying job with a good pension. We shouldn't give up on our, our people. We shouldn't give up on our, our employers. Um, we should be aiming to get those manufacturing jobs and create new jobs. And, you know, advanced manufacturing in the future isn't just manufacturing. It's also artificial intelligence. It's also, you know, mathematics and, and uh, so many exciting things that we need to get back to the basics on. But you need the government to support the people, and that's not what was happening in the past. The government was working against the people. Okay. Jim Wilson, Minister of Economic Development, thanks for being with us. Thank you, Libby. Okay. Okay. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. 
Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.